0: This is This is the great deliverer. And I'm here to tell you, no matter where you are right now, if you are outside of Jesus, you are in darkness. You might be very moral. You might be, you know, very committed to being living a disciplined life. But outside of Jesus, you are still within the realm of darkness. And Jesus came to live perfectly, to die on the cross for our sins, to convey us, to move us from darkness to light, to move us from guilty to
1: not guilty, to move us from an enemy of God to a child of God. God loves everyone. It doesn't matter who they are or what they've done. People are precious to him. And it's because of that great love that he sent Jesus to rescue us. Today, Pastor Daniel explains that Jesus is the great deliverer. No one is perfect, and that's God's standard. So no matter how moral and kind you are, you need to be rescued, to be brought from the darkness into the light. Jesus makes it possible for you to become part of God's family. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Colossians chapter 1 as he continues his message, Jesus is Preeminent.
0: Every situation we find ourselves in, it's an opportunity to grow in grace, to, to have a deeper understanding of it a more profound experience of our need for grace. And I always like to remind people, that's why the, the oldest people, who, the people who've walked the longest on the earth should be the most humble people because they've seen their failings with more data than everybody else, just given time served. And the more you realize how much you fail, the more you are aware of how great God's grace is and how much you need it. I, I, as a young pastor, a pastor said to me, well, you know, young pastors preach about sin and old pastors preach preach about grace. And I always thought, of like, wow, that's really powerful, because when you're young, you're like, this is wrong, and this is wrong. And then when you're older, you're like, yeah, this is all wrong, but really, let's talk about Jesus and his grace. And as a young pastor, I'm like, I want to preach about grace as a young pastor, right? Like, I, I don't, I don't want to get that stuff backwards. And so every day is a day to grow in grace. And then Paul begins his introduction. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So remember, it says we, begin, we, we praise God. We give thanks to God. And in a lot of ways, a cure for a lot of what ills our society today is just the simple ability to stop and thank God for what you do have. We live in a culture that could be pretty bent on all the things we don't have. Like, oh man, it'd be so much better if this was this way, and this was this way. And all those things may be true, but when you stop and say, God, I'm thankful that I'm here today to be able to wish I had things differently. You know, I was just talking with someone about this recently and we were talking about marriage and they were talking, they had gone through, they had a big blowout with their spouse and I'm like, hey, listen, you know, at least you have a spouse to have a blowout with. They kind of looked at me like, excuse me? I'm like, hey, like, there's lots of people who wish they had a spouse to blow with. People whose spouses have gone home to be with the Lord, right? And they're like, oh, man, I just wish I could just have a fight with them. And so we have to learn how to take a moment and praise God for what he has already done. And the fact that we're here today We can praise God for that. The fact that you're listening, maybe you're listening on your phone because your house internet is bad. Listen, you have a phone. I was telling my kids this the other day. It was was cracking them up. They were saying, oh, man, why do you limit our screen time? I'm like, look, when I was your age, even like the phone was attached to the wall. And they're like, what? I'm like, no, it was like on the wall. Like you had to stand next to the wall to be on the phone. And I'm like, and you couldn't like text somebody on that thing. And then I was telling them how the early internet, you needed to use the phone line to get on the internet. So like, wait, well, you couldn't make a call and be on the internet? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, man, that must have been so hard. I'm like, I didn't know any different, right? There's, there's so much to be able to praise God for, you know, right? And so, so we want to praise God, right? And then we also want to pray for one another because Paul says in verse three, praying always for you. So in all these different places, Paul's a person of prayer. And he's not just praying for himself. He's praying for other people, Because Jesus ever lives to make intercession for the saints. And so we get to understand Jesus more when we step into, I'm going to pray for other people. I'm going to pray for this situation and that situation. I'm going to pray for this person and that. And because really what it is, is you're stepping outside of your own self and you're moving into, this is what God has. And Paul is praying for the church in Colossae because he likes the testimony he's hearing about them. Look at what it says. Verse four, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus... And of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel that has now come to you. Now, don't miss that. Do you notice the faith, hope, and love of verses four and five? That the triplets of Christian virtue. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, your love for all the people of God, the saints, and your hope which is laid up for you in heaven. And of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 tells us, and now abide, faith, hope, and love. These three, and the greatest of these is love. And my friends, listen. Right now, we need to abide in faith, hope, and love. These three, the three triplets of Christian virtue. Now, what I love so much, of course, our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, and so in a sense, you know, faith is upward towards God, right, so so we have faith in, we have faith in Christ, so it's, faith is that upward component of it, and then of course, love is our outward component, the love for all the saints, now, you guys know where I'm going with this, if you've been around Crosses at all, I love talking about upward, inward, and outward, because we get it from Jesus's greatest commandment, we live upward, inward, and outward, Right, We we love the Lord our God. We love our neighbors outward as we love ourselves. And so if faith is upward and love is outward, what is hope? Inward. Hope's a disposition of the heart that that knows that God is doing the work and that the story is not yet written. And so for each one of us, we, we live upward, inward, and outward. And here we're living upward with faith. We're living outward in love. And we're letting hope grip our hearts in the midst of what's going on. How are you doing with that? Are you abiding faith, hope, and love upward, inward, and outward right now where you are? We should be praying for one another for that. Will you do me a favor? Will you pray for me with that? I'll pray for you with that. Lord, that you would let us live upward, that we would have the simple faith of children in Jesus, that we would live outward by loving people, loving the saints, and that, Lord, that we would live inward and we would let that hope captivate our hearts so that we move through this world differently, like the church in Colossae. You know, and then the last thing I want to bring out right here in this section, because there's lots of ground to cover, Notice in verse 7, as you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, most people would say that Epaphras is the person who founded the church in Colossae. God used him as the faithful minister to them. And Epaphras also shared with Paul and Timothy in verse 8, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. And don't miss the fact, faith, hope, and love, it comes through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So again, just as there's, you can only have peace if you first have grace, we can only abide in faith, hope, and love through the ministry of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us because of our faith in Jesus. And so if right now you're like, Man, I'm, my faith is really waning, I don't have a lot of love for people, and I'm not really hopeful, then you have to say, oh, Lord, will you do a work of renewal, a revolution of my heart by your Spirit? Lord, will you, will you fill up the, the empty places? Will you do a work in me, God? Because this all happens through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, picking up in verse 9, it says this. Again, Colossians chapter 1. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now, as Paul unpacks more how he's praying for the church in Colossae, really what we learn here is that if you want your life to reflect who Jesus is, we should seek to be filled and fully pleasing. We should seek to be filled and fully pleasing because this is exactly what Paul is praying for the church in Colossae. He's praying that they would be, notice, that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So a great, you want to pray for people? Pray that they would be filled with all the knowledge and all the wisdom and all the spiritual understanding that, that God would grant the people of God to have spiritual wisdom and discernment. You know, in a lot of ways, a lot of the mistakes we make in our life is because we're lacking wisdom. We don't understand God's will. We don't have the knowledge of his will. Like, God, what are you trying to do right now in this situation? That we're lacking spiritual understanding. So we should be praying that we should be filled with these things, and that because we're filled with the knowledge of his will, wisdom, and spiritual understanding, then we live our lives being well-pleasing or fully pleasing to God, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And for it's one of the great differences between somebody who believes in Jesus and is following Jesus and someone who's not. It's the question of who are you trying to please in this world? Because for most of us, we're trying to please, maybe it's our parents, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, depending on what they want for you. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a friends or a peer group or some idea of this is the person I'm supposed to please. But for the person who has put their faith and trust in Jesus, when we call Jesus Lord, really what we're doing is we're saying, I want my life to be fully pleasing to you, Jesus, even if nobody else is pleased with me. Like, Lord, your will is the most important thing. And so, God, I want not just my belief structure, but the way that I walk through this world to be worthy of you, fully pleasing to you. And I think that that's something that's really, really powerful. You have to ask yourself, who are you really trying to please right now? Because, I, I, listen, I've been living in this world long enough and I've had enough experience to realize that like, you can believe in Jesus but not really be too focused on pleasing him. You're trying to please everybody else. I want people to like me. I I want people to think well of me. I want people to say nice things about me. Or if I do this, then they'll stop nagging me. We have all these reasons we make decisions. But really what we learn here is that we want to walk worthy of the Lord, being fully pleasing to him. And then the apostle Paul begins to like almost bullet point. Like you want to be fully pleasing to the Lord? What should happen? Fruitful in every good work. So God's interested in fruitfulness. John chapter 15 speaks about this, that we should be increasing in the knowledge of God. Hey, guess what? That's why we're doing this series on Colossians it's called Understanding Jesus. As we go verse by verse, book by book, through, through the scriptures, you, you increase in the knowledge of who is God? What is he up to? What's he doing? You know, and, and then look what else he says here, that you may be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. There's a spiritual strengthening that happens. That, that as we move through the world and as we trust in Jesus, there's this spiritual building up that happens. We're working out, spiritually speaking, right? And, and as we're doing that, look, it's for all patience and long-suffering with joy. You want to know if you're getting built up spiritually? Are you more patient? Are you long-suffering? Do you have more joy? And then again, you, you praise God more often. Paul said it this way to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verses one and two. Finally, then brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. See, God is pleased by the ways that we move through this world, our walk. You know, in the Hebrew, it's the idea of the, of the journey, the path, right? And and that following Jesus is a journey through different stages and situations of life. And we want to carry ourselves through this journey that we're on in a way that is well-pleasing to the Lord. That, would Lord, this is how you want me to handle this situation. So we need to make sure that we are seeking to be filled up with him and fully pleasing to the Lord. Now, as we move on to verse 13 here, Colossians chapter 1, what it says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Now, really what we learn in these verses is that you and I need to see Jesus clearly. We need to see Jesus clearly. And realistically, the apostle Paul just unloads the clip, so to speak, to use a uh, you know a, a shooting a, a gun reference, he unloads the clip of this is who Jesus is, and he takes verses thirteen to eighteen, and he literally just in every single verse he's like Jesus is this, and he's this, and he's this, and he's this, and I'll be honest with you, I could do a sermon series on each one of these verses and not unpack it in its fullness, and so to give. All of us, a little bit of homework, I want you to over the next week. I want you to dwell in Colossians chapter one verses one to eighteen. I want you to think of your soul as a a, a piece of cloth, and these verses are as dye like we want you to, we want to tie dye our hearts in the presence of who Jesus is because even as I've tried to run pretty quickly through some of these earlier verses to get here, I, there's no way to do justice to the reality of these verses. Even if I took a sermon series, multiple message on each attribute of who Jesus is, as the apostle Paul explains it here. But I'm going to try my best to give you some, some big ideas. You notice first in verse 13, look at what it says about who Jesus is. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. And conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So first we find that Jesus is the great deliverer. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. We were blind and now we see. We were lost and now we're found. We've were we been delivered from the power of the darkness. And because of Jesus, he's conveyed us. He has moved us into the kingdom of the son of his love. That's what deliverance is all about. Jesus is the great deliverer. And I'm here to tell you, no matter where you are right now, if you are outside of Jesus, you are in darkness. You might be very moral. You might be you know, very committed to being living a disciplined life. But outside of Jesus, you are still within the realm of darkness. And Jesus came to live perfectly, to die on the cross for our sins, to convey us, to move us from darkness to light, to move us from guilty to not guilty, to move us from an enemy of God to a child of God. So Jesus is the great deliverer. And there's so much I could say about this. Look at verse 14, though. He says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus' way of being our deliverer is to redeem and forgive us. Right? So the idea of redemption is to buy back. That's literally what it means. So Jesus... His own life was given as a payment to be able to buy us back. And through his death and through his resurrection, by Jesus giving up his life, he bought forgiveness of sins for us because he died in our place. This is what communion is all about. Because Jesus bought forgiveness for us through his own blood. So we have Jesus being the redeemer and the, the one who's forgiven us. You know, and, and then from there again, it's like it just continues on where you're, you're watching what Jesus is doing. Look at what it says next, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. So Jesus is the bringing out into the open of who God is, because God is spirit. Jesus, in who He is and what He's done and how He lived, He is God's image. He shows us what God in flesh looks like. And that's why we need to see the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. We need to be able to look at the complexities of his character, who he is. Because if you want to know who the father is, you have to look at the son. That's why John's gospel says no one has seen God at any time, because God is spirit. But then Jesus comes, and Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He brings out God's characteristics into the open. And then it talks that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. And, and really, this is where things start getting very, very complicated very quickly in Paul's letter to the Colossians because what does it mean by the firstborn? But you can't understand Jesus being the firstborn over all creation unless you understand how the Old Testament explains the firstborn. And so the idea of the firstborn is both first in number, but then also in dignity and priority, So like the firstborn for a Jewish family, the firstborn son became the heir of the entire family and received special honor and dignity. So it doesn't mean that like... We're going to find in a second that all things were created by Jesus, for Jesus, and through Jesus. So Jesus wasn't a created being, but Jesus has total dignity, total honor. He has total priority. So when it talks about Jesus being the firstborn over all creation, because God took on flesh, Jesus has all of the priority. He gets all of the dignity of that place of the firstborn. So sometimes people read this like, oh, well, Jesus was created. Well, it's like he took entered creation, but he ultimately is the creator. Because look at what it says. You can't divorce she as being the firstborn of creation off of what happens next. Look at verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities and power. So notice, by Jesus, Jesus is the agent of creation. By all things were created The heavenly things, the earthly things, the things you can see, the things you can't see, all of them have been created by Jesus, right? And then notice this. All things were created through him and for him. So all that has been created, Jesus is the agent through whom it happens, and all things were created for Jesus. So there's nothing that has been created that is not ultimately for Jesus. And then it says to make things even more amazing. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So again, Jesus being God has always been, and he sustains everything that is. So you want to understand this Jesus who died on the cross for the sins of the world, what we realize is that Jesus is the God who creates and sustains everything. And then Paul brings all of this together, verse 18, because then he says, and he is the head of the body of the church. So Jesus is the head of the church. No pastor's the head of the church. No bishop's the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church, right? And then he's the firstborn from the dead. Jesus is the first person who is resurrected from the dead, having conquered sin and death, that in all things he may have the preeminence. And I'll be honest with you, it's horrifying to me that I, have to, that I had to wait to the end of this to get to this is really the point, that in all things, Jesus has the preeminence. Jesus is has the supremacy. He is supreme over all things. And really, this is why in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come. What you realize, if you want to understand who Jesus is, is that Jesus is preeminent. He is the supreme person. He is God in flesh. He delivers us. He redeems us. He forgives us. He gets all of the priorities and dignity as firstborn. He gets double honor, all of it. And he created and sustained everything. And when you realize that Jesus is preeminent, it's why the only thing you can do is bow the knee to Jesus and believe in him. Like, that's where it lands. If this is truly who Jesus is... Then all you can do is say, Not my will, but yours be done. I am not the head of my life. Jesus, you are the head of my life. Lord, it's not about my will, it's about your will. It's not about my glory. Lord, it's about your glory. And ultimately, this is what God has for all of us. Jesus is
1: Your perspective has a huge impact on how you live your life. Today, Pastor Daniel shared that truly understanding that Jesus is preeminent, above all other things, will have a ripple effect in your life. The more you realize his importance and authority, the more you'll give your life over to him. It's the only thing that really makes sense. How can you not want to give back and yield your life to the one who gave it all for you? Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel invites you to discover how Jesus is your source for reconciliation. You'll learn that the biggest problem with humanity is that we need to be reconciled with a holy God. We can't get there on our own. Jesus stands in the gap for us, making a way for us to be made right with God. And then this gives us hope and a foundation for peace for the rest of our relationships. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Understanding Jesus. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.